Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It's time to break down some of our favorite and least favorite bets for the Week 4 NFL slate. And with me to talk about it all is JJ Apresina, the lead YouTube contributor for SharpSide. You can find him on Twitter at SportsWithFacts. JJ, how you doing? What's up, Dan? Happy to happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking about it. Uh, you're from Jersey. I'm from Queens. It's good, sort of, you know, I moved up into the middle of nowhere. It's, it's nice for a little bit just to talk with somebody who reminds me of home. You know what I mean? It's like a match made in heaven. Absolutely. We're getting along great even before we got on, so let's keep it going here. As we always do on our Thursday night show, we're going to each give our three best bets for this weekend's games. We'll give one bet to avoid, and then we'll list our favorite prop bet for the weekend. But JJ, look, I usually like to ease our guests into this, okay? But we're on a pretty good run here with the picks. After going 3-0 and for week two, followed that up last week with another 3-0 and week, getting right the Bills and Bengals under 44, the Rams laying three to the Browns, and the Saints getting four from the Seahawks. And our guest, Adam Burke, nailed two of his three picks, with the Lions getting six and a half from the Eagles and the Rams and the Browns coming in under 47 and a half. So are you ready to bring the thunder here or what? So much pressure, but uh, look, pressure makes diamonds, right? I'm prepared. (laughs) Absolutely. Hopefully, you'll be the diamond in the rough. So as always, we're going to get started here with pick six, where both JJ and I are going to give three of our favorite bets for this weekend, either against the spread or on the over-under. Now, as always, I will note at the outset that, as I said, we are recording this during the Thursday night game between the Packers and the Eagles, so we won't be making any picks on that game. But if you want to see how I pick that game, you can go to bettingpros.com. That's going to show you how I and every betting expert who makes picks on the site made their picks for every game on the slate. We'll also be using the bettingpros.com consensus odds in making our picks. Those are the aggregate odds that you're going to find available in the market. All right, JJ, start us off. What's your first pick here? I myself, it's not going to be the most popular one. I can only assume, but I'm actually big here on the Oakland Raiders uh, getting seven against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm just trying to confirm a consensus at this moment. And yeah, I'm seeing more or less some seven, some six and a half. I do believe you'll be able to get seven if you wait long enough at your your current book. Uh, it, it is worth noting as well. And for the guys that already know, you know, kind of my shtick. Uh, for me, the number is so important when you're betting NFL in particular. I mean, any sport for that matter. But the number is important. Having a good idea of the market and which way the market's going to swing a line in one direction or the other. Right now, that everybody's kind of drinking the Colts Kool-Aid, especially after, if you remember, before the season started with no Andrew Luck, everybody was kind of against this team. Now it's almost like the market has taken too big of a shift in favor of the Colts here. Last week they were playing the Falcons, where the Falcons were an extremely popular play, uh, at least as far as the market goes. Obviously the Colts handle business. Uh, you might look at the final score and see they only won by three, but if you watch the game, you knew the Colts more or less handled business throughout. They also have a road win at the Titans in a primetime spot. For me, this is becoming a situation where this line is too big. Now I get it. Oakland's not an easy team to back, right? They just got mollywopped by Minnesota, and obviously they, they lost to the Chiefs after an interesting week one, but I just feel like we now have too much of a market overreaction here in favor of the Colts. It's a huge number here. There's a lot of factors I could break down in this game specifically, but for me, it's really about the number here. If this one was four and a half or five, I'd be staying away. But at seven, I love this play. It's one of my favorites of the week. Give me the Raiders plus all seven points versus the Colts. Yeah, right now the consensus odds have been bouncing back and forth a little bit between six and a half and seven. Right now they're at six and a half, but I'll be honest, I like them even at that number as well. Um, The Sharps, by the way, if you look at the breakdown of the money coming in, the public is pretty heavily 
on Indianapolis, but the amount of money that's actually being bet is overwhelmingly about three quarters, 75% in favor of Oakland, given the spread. And I agree with you. And really, if for no other reason, then you've got some major injuries here on the Colts side, right? I mean, T.Y. Hilton, I don't think has practiced yet this week. He re-injured his quad last week. That could be a big deal. And Darius Leonard is probably not going to be able to suit up either. And, you know, you pointed out the exact right issue is that backing Oakland just feels kind of dirty, for lack of a better way to say it, right? I mean, they don't inspire a whole lot of confidence. And they do, to be fair, have some injuries um, to their linebacking court too. But I agree with you at this point. The line is a little big. And, and you're right, the public perception has kind of gone all the way in the other way towards uh, towards the Colts here. So on our consensus, it's actually 68% of experts are backing Indy, but I'm with you here. I I like the Raiders here for basically most of the reasons you described and really the injuries that are going on with Indianapolis. Yeah, the the injuries are definitely going to be a headache, and I have to assume Hilton's going to play. I know that, you know, obviously Friday's a big day for injury information. I would assume Hilton will play, but regardless, like I said, for me, it's a number play. This number's four and a half. It's a stay away spot. Six and a half, seven. It's a rock solid slam Oakland spot. You know, the only reason why I'm not sure if Hilton's going to play anyway is they've got KC next week. I mean, that's a game where you're going to need him out there, right? If you're Indy, you're probably thinking that you can get out of here with a win even without Hilton. But, you know, for all the factors you said, I agree. I'm a little bit surprised at the breakdown of the consensus. I thought more people would be backing Oakland. But in the end, I've, I've got you. If it's six and a half, if it's seven, I agree with you there. For my first pick, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this one, my friend, but I'm going with Patriots laying seven to the Bills. Now, I talked about this on Monday with Rich Ryan when we gave our initial reaction to the Lions, and I just have this feeling that the Patriots are going to absolutely blow the Bills out of the water here. Now, there are some questions on the Patriots heading into this game, but honestly, I think it's just that the Bills are really overrated. I mean, let's talk about them for a second because they've been involved in one of my picks for each of the last two weeks. I took them going up against the Giants, and then I bet against them laying four to the Bengals last week. But they've played three games. They should have lost to the Jets and would have in week one had C.J. Mosley not been injured in the second half. They beat up on a porous Eli Manning-led Giants team in week two, and then they barely squeaked by what is an adequate but generally unimpressive Bengals team at home. Now, the defense is legitimate. I'm going to agree there. They were very, very good last year. They allowed just 4.9 yards per play. That was third best in the league. They're giving up almost the exact same number this year, 4.8 yards per play. Ed Oliver and Tremaine Edmonds are playing great. Tredavious White continues to play well in coverage. They did lose Harrison Phillips. It's going to hurt a tiny bit, but I don't really think it's enough to make a difference. The defense is really strong, but regardless, it is not good enough to stop the Patriots' offense. It's just not. Almost no defense is. And I say that with the full understanding that the Patriots may not have Julian Edelman for this game, and James Devlin is out, and that actually really affects their running game. It is all irrelevant to me. The coaching staff is too good. They'll find ways to use James White and Rex Burkhead, and Philip Dorsett will get involved. Brady hasn't exactly lit the bills up in his history against Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's defense, but in the last two years, the Patriots have outscored the bills in Buffalo 48 to nine and going the opposite way, I do not see the Bills being able to put up all that many points against the Patriots defense. I mean, regardless of the quality of the opponent, that defense is elite. Gilmore is playing like one of the best corners in the league. Jamie Collins is wreaking havoc all over the field. They've got depth. They've got speed. They've got six interceptions already in three games. And now they face a guy who has more than an interception per game in his career. They have not allowed a point in the first half of their last five games. 
dating back to their playoff games against the Chiefs and the Super Bowl against the Rams. The weather is going to be fine. That can always be something that happens in Buffalo, but it's early. It's going to be in the 60s and sunny. I think this is a statement game for the Pats. I think they're coming in here. They've got another 3-0 team who really isn't that good. I think they want to make a statement. This is their AFC East. They're not going to let it be wrestled away. So I think they're going to go up there, and I think they're going to win this game handily. So I will take the Patriots, even at that key number. It's a high number, laying seven. I'll take the Patriots, and I really don't have too many second thoughts about it. I really legitimately like the call but only to a certain extent. Uh, and here's and here's the logic that, that I kind of see. You bring up a ton of good points. This is really the Patriots division year in, year out. The Bills could be somewhat a fluff, especially based on who they played. You know, the Jets, Giants, Bengals. But if you take a step back and realize who the Patriots have played, and if you make the argument for, oh, well, there's enough parity in the league where your really good teams can always beat up on the bad teams. I mean, the Steelers, Dolphins, and Jets, clearly the Steelers are not what we thought they were going to be. And obviously there's no Roethlisberger. And then the Dolphins and the Jets, the two worst teams in the NFL. I don't mind... The idea that, oh, well, the Buffalo Bills haven't played anybody, and now they're really getting their first test. But um, for me, it's a, it's, it's a tough spot for me because I truly don't know how good the Buffalo Bills are or aren't. I think assumptions could be made that they're not that good. But remember, this was a team that was getting a lot of hype preseason about their improvements on defense and uh, interested to see how they play here. Now, I feel like this would have this would have been to the Buffalo's advantage if this game was played a little later in the year where it's a little colder, maybe some snow. Maybe you could really lean on the home crowd, the Bills Mafia. By the way, how is it not on everybody's bucket list to go through a table outside Buffalo Stadium pregame? But uh, look, ultimately, I, I do like the call. For me, it was a, a more or less a stay-away spot at seven. Hoping to get, I'd hope to get six and a half on one side or seven and a half on the other um, if I was going to bet it. But again, I, I can't question anybody who who backs New England against Buffalo that's for sure yeah and to be clear I don't think this is one where everybody's going to be backing this pick whatsoever I mean I think people like the Bills and they do have a legitimate defense I, I want to make that clear I'm not insulting Bills fans I went to school in Buffalo I agree going to tailgating there is crazy um, and it's it's a crazy spot the crowd's going to be raucous but without that weather it's not quite as bad as it would be and regardless it's just not enough to stop the Patriots at this point it's Honestly, I would feel better about the Bills had they lost a game at some point coming in. I think when you have the AFC East showdown, both 3-0, and I think realistically the Pats are just going to go in there. And I think they're going to want to make a statement. The injuries are slightly concerning. If Edelman misses the game, eventually you're going to have to have somebody to throw the ball to because Josh Gordon is also battling injury, at least last week against the Jets. He was on and off the field. So it's a little worrisome. He is practicing on a limited basis. But regardless, this just feels to me like this is going to be the statement game for the Pats. So I'm willing to lay the big number. I agree seven is a lot, um, but I'm willing to lay it. I like to call them real quick the um, the receivers uh, injuries. I wouldn't really worry too much about that, Dan. I mean, you know. You know, they could just slot me and you in there, and we could easily have pick up five, six catches. Well, maybe, maybe not us, but like two reasonably athletic human beings. That's probably <laughs> correct. But yeah, no, I agree. I mean, again, it, it, if Edelman misses the game, I'm still taking the, the pats at this number. It'll be all James White and Rex Burkhead and some receiver who I've never heard of before. So I'm really not concerned about it. Again, a, a lot of it is the mindset, and I'm a Jets fan. I have watched the Patriots closely over the last 20 years or so, and, and realistically, this just strikes me as them being like, oh, really? You're 3-0? and You're coming here? You're saying you want to take this division? You will take it from my cold, dead hands. So uh, that's just how I see this game unfolding. Um, and again, it's not an overly popular 
pick. I think the money, if anything, trends towards the Bills here. I think the consensus picks are relatively even, maybe even a little shaded towards the Bills last time I checked. But in the end, I'm really comfortable with this game. Um, So I'm going to do it and I'm not going to have too many worries about it personally. Let's move on to your second pick. What do you got for me? Denver Broncos. Minus three versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do believe you could get two and a half, uh, or at least you could have gotten two and a half. I think now I'm starting to I'm starting to see three and a half. Uh, definitely like really like three in this spot. Uh, here's the logic. I know that the Broncos are zero and three, and I know that they just lost a really bad game to the Packers. Uh, you know, it's not bad that you lost to the Packers, but obviously they didn't cover and they didn't play well. They're also one and two against the spread with their lone win. Uh, being a game against Chicago, where pending when you bet it, they actually could have been 0-3 against the spread. The reason I like the spot here is really in the trenches. You take a look at Denver's defensive line and and what they can bring to the table from the linebacker perspective as well. Um, And that Jacksonville offensive line, it's just one of the worst uh, offensive lines in the NFL. Haven't had really that many opportunities to be exposed all that much yet. Um, you know, Titans, Texans, Chiefs, obviously Texans can bring a good pass rush, but more or less they kind of held Jacksonville in check uh, for the most part there. My thinking here though is you get the young quarterback, Garner Minshew, has to travel to Denver. Uh, This will be uh, what I believe to be his first true road game as a starter. I mean, I know that he kind of slotted in 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 Houston, I believe, but ultimately this is going to be a tough place to play for him. And again, a lot of pressure is going to be assumed to come up the middle for him. He's going to have to do a lot of scrambling, make a lot of uncomfortable throws. Uh, I know that it's tough to back Denver and Joe Flacco and how that offense has been producing. But again, you know, how do you beat Jacksonville, right? You beat them with the run game. Denver's got a very good run game uh, with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. I would expect them to lean heavy on that. A lot of screens, play action. And again, you know, the whole Jalen Ramsey situation is still weird. Uh, for me, this is a, a big slam spot for the Broncos. Again, I know they're 0-3. I know everybody's drinking the Gardner Minshew Kool-Aid. But for me, the number's a little too small here. Jacksonville's getting a little too much respect. I know they get the extra day, a few days after Thursday Night Football. Everybody watched them win in primetime against the Titans. And everybody just watched Denver lose in a bad one against the Packers. But again, this is a week-to-week league. Really like Denver in this spot. Do you like them out of curiosity if the number sits at 3.5 instead of 3? I do not like them at 3.5. Uh, for me, the value the value is really at 3. I don't want to... I don't. I wouldn't want, if you if you guys see three and a half, I wouldn't want you to play the hook there. But again, it's like I always say, you need to be leveraging multiple books. If you're going to find yourself success in this space and in this industry, um, you need to be leveraging multiple sports books. Because again, as crazy as it might sound, you know, if you're leveraging four or five sports books, and I know it's kind of hard to keep that much money tied up in different areas, but if you're leveraging that many sports books, you're going to notice differences in lines, whether it's 15, 20 cents here, 15, 20 cents there, half a point here, half a point there. Might not matter in a one-week sample, but multiply that by 52 weeks, by three, four years, you're talking, you know, you're talking easily an, an additional 30, 40 bets over the course of a season, maybe even more that are in your favor. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And and one of the things on bettingpros.com is we give the consensus odds. And so you want to see what is out there generally in the market, but it also lists the various odds that are available at different sports books. And if you look at the Jaguars and the Broncos, you'll see there are some sports books that are at three. There are some sports books that are at three and a half. So you really want to pick and choose your battles. As for me, I, I lean in your direction. I, I, it feels uncomfortable again to go with Denver. Um, how do they not have a sack on the year? Um, I, I do not understand. My guess is you pointed out the problems with the Jaguars line that they're going to get a bunch. I think they're going to be motivated this week. I'm a little, I get a little worried about the mini buy, you know, the playing off of Thursday teams like that. I feel like generally come out strong, but they're probably coming off a little bit of a high 
And I think Denver really, I mean, if they're going to do anything this season, which they're, they're obviously not, but if they're going to at all make a statement for this season, it's going to be here at home against a very mediocre team against, you know, a kid making his third professional start. Um, so I lean towards your way. I don't know if I would have enough to take it at laying three, but I definitely lean your way. I do think that the defense is going to come out and try to make a statement here. Let's move on to my second pick, um, and that is going to be the under on the Panthers-Texans, and that is at 47 and a half. Look, Kyle Allen looked great last week, and frankly, had he been the quarterback for the Panthers since the start of the season, I'm pretty sure that they're 3-0 and right now. But that is much more because of how bad Cam Newton was. I think everyone's going just a little bit crazy about evaluating Allen off a game against a truly terrible defense in the Cardinals. I know he looked good when he filled in at the very end of last year, but you really can't draw too many conclusions from that. With a full game of tape and obviously a much stronger defense here with the Texans, I think Allen is going to have a much tougher time moving the Panthers towards scoring points. Now, the Texans are solid against the run. They're not spectacular, but they're solid enough. They're same against the pass, despite the fact that they've had a tough matchup with Drew Brees. You mentioned the fact that they can get to the quarterback. And playing in Arizona, like Allen did last week, it's not even like a really road game. I mean, they never play well at home. The fans aren't crazy right now. But playing in Houston certainly is a road game. So I expect the Panthers' offense to largely be held in check. On the flip side, their defense overall remains very strong. They're allowing just 4.3 yards per play, and they're particularly good against the pass. And the fact that they're so good against the pass is really what leads me towards the under here. They put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks at least 30% of the time in each of their first three games so far. James Bradbury is playing extremely well right now, so is Dante Jackson, and they're generally holding a pass offenses in check. Their real weak spot, is against the run. And that's gotten a little better in recent weeks, although some of that is the opponent. But regardless, that is just not where the Texans butter their bread. They don't involve Duke Johnson much. Carlos Hyde has been fine, but he is not going to run down the Panthers' throat. It's not the place that the Texans can really exploit another team. In the end, this strikes me as a kind of tight defensive game where neither team piles up the points. So I'm happily going to take the under here at 47 and a half. Like like the call. Now, for one thing that I will tell you with Houston specifically and Deshaun Watson, first of all, I don't think there's anybody in the NFL that takes more sacks than him. And I don't think it's and I don't think it's an issue with that offensive line. He just sits he just holds on to the ball too long. Forever. Forever. He's gonna get he's gonna get re- one of these times he's gonna get hit this year, I bet, and he's gonna be out for at least, you know, most of the game. He just he holds that ball forever. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big dude. I mean, you know, it's hard to kind of tell that he is, you know, on the screen when you look at him next to offensive lineman, but he's a big dude, he's in great shape. But you're right. I mean, he's not Michael Vick. You know, he's not Michael Vick, but he's not Cam Newton. He's somewhere in between as far as size goes. Sure. But uh, he's definitely a, a, a big boy. Uh, so I, he could take his fair share of hits, but he, you know, he's definitely holds on way too long and could find himself getting blindsided one of these days and, yeah, be in a lot of trouble. But ultimately, for me, as long as Carolina can keep this low scoring for themselves, and I say that because Houston just always appears to be one of those teams week in and week out that kind of like if they go down big, you almost kind of know they're going to come back, you know, just based on how Watson, you know, almost like turns Madden on and starts running around back there and finding Hopkins, finding Fuller. Uh, so you would hope that you can kind of keep this low scoring uh, in the in the low 20s uh, towards the end of it, maybe in the low teens, uh, you know, for the first half. Because again, you know, I, I feel like if Carolina starts getting going, obviously Houston's going to get that same mojo. But ultimately, it does make a lot of sense. It's going to be a tough test for Kyle Allen um, going up against that Houston defensive front. 
so you, you'd think they'd be able to keep him in check. And again, Carolina's defense is no slouch either. Uh, would expect plenty of sacks on their end, maybe even a turnover or two. Uh, really like this spot under as well. I mean, if if Kyle Allen is what he looked like last week, this is just going to fly over. I mean, there's no doubt because you said it exactly right. Houston can look terrible in a game. Watson can look totally lost. And then as you aptly put it, he goes Madden without question. I mean, he can just do that and put up 21 points in the span of eight minutes without blinking an eye. But I don't think that's how this game is going to play out. I could be wrong on Allen. And if I am, then he's going to be able to just light it up. But I don't see that happening in this game against a much stronger defense than he played last week. I think in the end, it's going to be tight for most of the game. So Watson's not going to do the thing where he's going to go Superman. They're going to do what they can. But again, I don't expect them to be able to do that much on the passing side of the ball. I think they're going to have to use uh, the run game that's going to eat up some clock, which helps the under. So for me, I feel pretty good about it. But, you know, I, I I'm, if Kyle Allen does this again, then I'm going to have to completely reevaluate the way I, I feel generally about the Panthers. But for now, I'm willing to write off last week for the most part as playing a game against a really, really bad Arizona defense. Let's move on to your third pick here. What do you got? The Detroit Lions getting six and a half bones versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, this is, again, a number play. You know, uh, most of the guys know that, that follow me already that uh, I'm all about targeting certain numbers. Now, you may see this line opened at 4.5. There was actually plenty of spots this opened at 3.5. The fact that I can get 6.5 here with a team, first of all, um, that's been competitive in every game they've played. Now, if you make the argument that, okay, well, the Cardinals aren't really that good, fine, but they were winning against the Cardinals pretty big. They went into a prevent defense and allowed Arizona to come back. Um, they handled the Chargers. They most certainly handle the Eagles. That three-point score does not sh- nearly show how uh, dominant Detroit was throughout. This is just a team that's doing enough to hang around. Now, Slay, I know, is a little banged up, and he's a big, uh, a big-time player for them on the defensive side at the corner position. So hopefully he can play. But either way, this is a gigantic number for Detroit. Now I know Kansas City is a very public, public betting team, as they should be. They cover a lot of spreads. Mahomes is very fun to watch. He's a very quote-unquote, sexy quarterback with all the big throws and all the flashy plays. But again, if there's a team that can really slow him down, at least somewhat defensively, you would think not only could Detroit do it, but you would also think that Stafford and Galladay and uh, on Johnson could keep up pace with this team if this had to get into the high 20s. Really like this spot. I think this is a big number, and Detroit actually has an opportunity here to surprise folks and maybe pull the upset. I'm not going to disagree with anything you said, and Detroit has been one of the surprise teams. For me, they are much, much better than I expected them. Here's my issue with this. When I look at them, okay, not not Detroit, really Kansas City. I, I forget if it um, if uh, it was Rufus Peabody or if it was uh, Rich Ryan when I was talking on Monday who used the term model busters, which is just you can look at a game and you can analyze it, and you could say, this is what should happen. And that is how I feel exactly the reasons that you said, assuming that Slay is there, which I know wouldn't move the line much, but here it would be pretty significant. When I look at the line, that line's too high based on what I've seen out of Detroit and based on the fact that Detroit's going to be home, they easily could be 3-0. And yet I, I would have such a tough time going up against Mahomes because I feel like what he's able to do sometimes just defies what you can do when you just rationally look at a game. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if it's overly oh, simplistic. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, you see this in a bunch of other sports as well. NFL, it hasn't been as common over the last few years. I mean, NFL is more or less a, a, a true number sport where you got to bet certain numbers and you got to stay away from certain numbers. 
um, as it relates to the, the market and the betting place. But there are some guys from year to year that make a difference. I mean, I remember Cam Newton, you know, uh, Cam Newton in college you know, reminds me a lot. I mean, you know, Auburn really wasn't meant to even be that good that year that he played. At least he's, he's uh, at least what means the most to me in reference to what Mahomes has been doing at the NFL level. Because you're right. I mean, you, you know, you put the numbers in front of you. You put projections in front of you. And numbers make sense to back. Almost, it almost numbers make sense to almost fade Kansas City every week. Right. But week in and week out, uh, Mahomes overperforms models. And even if you adjust the models, I mean, you can't adjust models where you're projecting Mahomes to throw for 350 every week. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're completely right. There are certain players that can be model busters. And Mahomes has certainly been, the, been, been this way early on his career, whether it's Andy Reid and him being a perfect potion together um, or, you know, just his talent went overlooked by many. But regardless... He is quite a stud, but I just really like the like the number here. This wasn't. I know that I know that teams that Kansas City have been playing have been getting love the last few weeks, and I know Baltimore backdoor covers last week. Uh, well, unless you got it really late, you would have uh, covered with Kansas City then at four and a half or four. But again, for me, uh, strong number here with Detroit at home, who's looked very competitive. Um, the Kansas City may have too much speed, but uh, ultimately time will tell. And I do believe uh, Detroit can keep pace. They've looked really good offensively as well as defensively thus far. Yeah, they really. Again, as I've said. They've really surprised me. They've been very impressive pretty much across the board. And I'm glad you picked this one because I I was definitely considering picking it, but it hurts a little bit to have to make that actual strong statement against Mahomes. So I'm glad you picked it. I don't disagree with any of the reasoning. I certainly lean towards the Lions. I don't know whether or not eventually when I make my, you know, final selections this week when I when I place all my bets, whether or not I'm going to actually wind up pulling the trigger. But if I do I'm sure it's going to be on the Lions. Uh, Let's go to my third pick here, which is something that also I don't feel comfortable with. But when I've looked at it, I just I can't really get away from it. And it's the Cardinals getting six at home against the Seahawks. Now, this line has moved and it's moved pretty hard. I think the look ahead line may have been Arizona getting three and a half, perhaps. So it's jumped pretty significantly in favor of Seattle. And the number of bets here is roughly 75% in favor of the Seahawks, but the total amount bet is closer to 50-50, which suggests that there's probably more sharp bettors in on the Cardinals. And I think there's an obvious reason why. And that obvious reason is that the Seahawks just are not very good. I explained it a lot last week when I took the Saints getting four points against Seattle, but they barely squeaked by the Bengals at home in week one and barely squeaked by a Pittsburgh team that had to put in Mason Rudolph mid-game. And despite the final score last week, they lost pretty handily to the Saints in their home building, led by Teddy Bridgewater. And again, I talked about it last week. The strength of their defensive unit is their linebackers, right? So they just pretty much leave their base package out there all day long, which means if you can throw on them and pretty much everyone can throw on them, then they're vulnerable. Kyler Murray, like Deshaun Watson, that we said, he holds the ball way too long. And that's devastating when you have a terrible offensive line. And the run game, it it's pretty much non-existent, right? They don't run the ball well and they don't attempt to run it enough. They're 26th in the league in both of those categories. But given the way Seattle schemes on defense... And the struggles that they have against the pass, I think the Cardinals are going to be able to move the ball fairly well. Now, you take the flip side here. The Cardinals' defense is terrible, okay, particularly given they're missing pieces at cornerback. 
But I look at this game as being one where the Seahawks really want to get their run game going against the third worst rush defense in the league. They want to get Chris Carson back on track. Rashad Penny may come back. They want to run the ball generally as much as any team in the league. So if Russell Wilson wanted to, or if he had an offensive coordinator who wanted him to, he could go nuts against this pass defense, kind of like he did at the end of last game. But he doesn't have an offensive coordinator who wants to do that. So I don't expect a repeat of last week. I expect more of a repeat of the game against the Bengals in week one where the Seahawks won by a point, a slow, kind of grinded out, methodical win where the Seahawks can do what they do best. At four points, when I saw when I first looked ahead, I was uncomfortable with that line. But at six, it's just something where I don't think I can get away from it because I think that number is just too high. Such a good number. Um, I'm only seeing six at a few spots, so it's really it's really a great find find by you there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could lay, I don't know how you could lay more than more than four or five with Seattle right now uh, on the road against against most teams. Uh, so for me, it's, um, and I get it, Arizona's kind of looked pretty crappy, you know, whether it was offensively or defensively. I know offensively they've kind of looked together per se, but, uh, you know, they're also, you know, they're playing at a pace that's that's kind of frantic, at least as far as NFL standard goes. And they run a ton of four wide receiver sets. Um, so it is kind of actually fun to watch them play. But again, you got to figure, you know, that Seattle defense obviously is not near what it used to be. Um, you know, the only the only question I would have, obviously, is if if this became a shootout, can Arizona keep up? Because uh, that's kind of been their their issue, um, you know, at least most recently where Carolina kind of they were kind of close throughout and then Carolina just hit, kept hitting the gas and then Arizona didn't. Uh, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get out of Arizona's defense. Uh, but if they can certainly put a few touchdowns up on the board, they'll, they'll easily cover this number. Yeah. I, you know, my issue with this is that Murray looks great when games start, right? He comes out, he's firing, he's super efficient. He's always like 15 of 16 because I think that Cliff Kingsbury has the first, you know, few drives scripted and then the game keeps going and they kind of run out of scripted plays and they just need to make it up. And when you have that, that's when Murray starts looking a little bit like a deer in headlights. So if Seattle gets out to a big lead here, yeah, this bet is certainly in trouble. I really think, and just reading the tea leaves, you listen to the way Pete Carroll's talking. Again, last year they ran the ball roughly 50% of the time. It was the most by far in the NFL. And if they, that's what they want to be. They don't want to have Russell Wilson running around like a madman, chucking it down the field, potentially getting injured when he's taking off and running all the time. They want to be a run first team. I think they think they can win this game. I could see even worst case scenario, a backdoor cover at the very end, but I just don't see this as something where they're going to get way out ahead. I think this is going to be one where it's going to be pretty close throughout. Seattle's not going to put their foot on the gas because that's not how they run their offense, right? I mean, they go crazy only when they're behind and they're, you know, Wilson is going into the Deshaun Watson Superman mode. So in the end, I see it as more of a run heavy game. I think they need to get Chris Carson right. I think they need to go back to doing what they want to be doing. And I so I see this as much more of a close game and a divisional one. Again, I think the Seahawks are going to come out on top. And to your point, I mean, I'm looking around right now. And when I look at the odds available in the market, if you look at it on Fad Duel, it's only five. I don't love it at that number. Six is much different to me than five, certainly than four that it was. But that's the point. Look around. If it's at five, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not nearly as comfortable with it. But at six, as it's available at a lot of places, I think I'm good with that there. Like the spot, love the number. Yep. All right, let's recap here. JJ, you like the Raiders plus six and a half or seven against the Colts. You like the Broncos laying three to the Jaguars and the Lions getting six and a half from the Chiefs. I'll take the Patriots laying seven to the Bills, the Panthers and the Texans to come under 47 and a half, and the Cardinals at home getting six from the Seahawks. 
Before we move on, I do want to tell everyone about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. I've been telling you about BetMGM pretty much since this podcast began. It's the easiest and the best way to place a bet if you're in the state of New Jersey. Just search for and download the BetMGM Sports app on your phone or visit BetMGM.com, sign up for an account, and you can place a bet right from your home. BetMGM offers a ton of features that make sports betting even better than it already is. They offer early cash out where you can settle a bet before the game ends to lock in winnings or cut your losses. You can track your bets in real time, and they offer daily boosted bets and promotions across all major sports. And right now, they've got an amazing promotion going on where you can place a risk-free $500 bet. Here's the deal. When you download the BetMGM Sports app and you sign up using our promo code HARRIS, that's my last name, H-A-R-R-I-S, then your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free. If you lose, BetMGM is going to credit you the amount you lost up to $500 for future wagers. Just download the app, use the promo code HARRIS to claim the promotion, and you can go to betmgm.com for further details. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet. Visit betmgm.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, JJ, let's move on to It's a Trap, where we list the line that we are avoiding. Why don't you start us off? So one line in in particular that I'd like to avoid is a total on Monday Night Football. I think it's you're going to look at a you're going to see a number of about forty three and a half, and I think that a lot of people are going to are going to more or less look at this game. It's going to be on Monday night, and they're probably going to bet it over. Um, for me, uh, this is a spot where you have more or less two defenses that have really un- been underperforming, specifically Pittsburgh. But again, you have two quarterbacks that are so in question, and I think a lot of people aren't even going to are going to completely look past this spot uh, up until probably Monday afternoon, Monday evening, and they'll more or less end up convincing themselves to bet this game over because it's a small number. But you just have two quarterbacks and two offenses who have been completely unpredictable, um, and it's just not a spot I want to be anywhere near um, come Monday night. It's not a spot I want to bet the over. It's not a spot I want to bet the under. It's a it's a tricky number with the two teams with the two teams and specifically the two quarterbacks you're getting. Uh, in this mat, in this game, uh, and again, along with the spotty defensive play and spotty offensive play, so I'd be interested to see anybody that could convince me of why the over makes sense or why the under makes sense, because to me, neither does. I could not agree with you more. I, I do not know what to do with this game. I looked at this game just even generally, by the way, even with the spread. I have no feel for what this game is going to be. I don't have a good sense of what we're going to see from Mason Rudolph. He looked pretty dreadful. Uh, against the 49ers last week. He came up with a couple of big plays. The Bengals are weird. Andy Dalton's throwing for a ton of yards, but especially in a divisional game, and it's prime time too, so you really don't know what Dalton is going to show up. It is a thing where I had zero sense for the total coming on here. 44, you know, it, it seems roughly right, and because of that, I don't really lean anyway at all. So I think that's actually a really good call um, because it, it's something where, I feel like you look at a bet and you look at a number and whether or not you use a model or whether or not you project it in advance and then look at it, you get a feel for which way you're leaning and and if it's close to the number, that's fine. For me, I would have no idea what to do here with uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So I love the call. I certainly would stay away from it and I I would certainly be all over that uh, as well. For me, my bet to avoid is the Chargers laying 15 and a half to the Dolphins. Now, we might be able to save some time on this segment in the future if we just insert the Dolphins and whoever they are playing into my pick here every week for the foreseeable future. The Dolphins are historically bad. Historically 
bad, but they gave the Dallas a little scare in the first half. They could have been leading in that game. They didn't fumble it away. And every week when I look at the number in the Dolphins game, I see value in the Dolphins every single week. But again, Rufus Peabody and Rich Ryan, they talked about this concept of model busters, not a novel thing or anything, but how both the Dolphins and Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs really fit that mold because whatever model you use is going to tell you that you should probably take the points. And here you've got a West Coast team traveling east. They're a little banged up. They don't usually put up a million points, so I can certainly see value in the Dolphins, but I can't take this game. It's not like the last two weeks where it's 20 points or more than that, but it's a lot of points. I just can't in good conscience take the Dolphins. Even though that's where I think I see the value, it's the type of game where I I just need to avoid, and I think I maybe just need to avoid Dolphins games. I don't know how you feel if you've been able to properly analyze these games, but at least with the Chargers laying 15 and a half at a high number, I'm just not willing to go anywhere near this game. Couldn't agree more. My issue with betting Miami, and again, when it comes to the numbers and model busting, you know, you'll look every week and be like, okay, well, you got to bet Miami plus the points. You know, the problem is, is if you watch them play, uh, there is just, there's no sense of urgency and no sense to even want to be competitive. You know, a a few of their games, they've they've ended up getting uh, not so much backdoored late, but I mean, the Cowboys game, they should have covered. I mean, they were, they were, um, they were driving at the end of the first half to tie the game where they fumbled. And again, they just kind of make these these head-scratching plays on offense and defense consistently. I know it's only been three weeks, but I don't understand how anybody can truly back this team, at least until they show some sense of wanting to actually win a game. Yeah. And again, the, the number to me favors the Dolphins in terms of when I just look at it and I analyze it. I mean, the Dolphins are, are really terrible, but they're not the type of team that that can't score at all. Again, they easily could have scored at the end of the first half against the Cowboys. And even so, they probably still should have covered that spread even without it until the very end. It's just something where it's just you can't look at it like a normal football team and a normal football game because you just don't know what you're going to get from them whatsoever regardless of the number that's out there so it's just something for now i'm avoiding them if they could show something any sort of urgency any sort of you know spark with rosen under center again for another game and he looked you know a little better than fitzpatrick but i might be able to start basically you know holding my nose and and finding the value in the dolphins and willing to place a wager but for now I'm not going anywhere near it. So you're avoiding the total on the Steelers Bengals on Monday night, which is 43 and a half. And I'm avoiding the Dolphins getting 15 and a half from the Chargers. Now, real quick, before we get to our next segment, I want to remind everyone about our September contest where we're giving away a signed Alvin Kamara helmet, courtesy of our good friends at Pristine Auction. Just leave a review for the show on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. And if you've entered last month's contest, you're already in. So no worries there. All right, J.D., it's time for Top Prop, where we list our top player prop of the week. What do you got? Jared Goff over 276, I believe. It's 276 and a half passing yards versus Tampa. Uh, For me, for those that already know, I'm a big Jared Goff home road splits guy. Can't touch anything with this guy or the Rams on the road. But when they're home and Jared Goff can hear Sean McVay in his headset, they are extremely targetable. I mean, he specifically is extremely targetable. This is a defense that just got completely shellacked uh, by Danny Dimes. Jared Goff's obviously more talented. However, uh, if this was on the road, I wouldn't feel as confident. But again, Tampa's secondary definitely leaves a lot to be desired. They've had a decent start defensively. Their their woes, uh, strange strange enough, have been on the offensive side. But 
in this spot, you'd have to assume the Rams are going to be able to move the ball. The total is pretty high. Uh, again, the only thing you question is if this somehow is out of hand late and they're not throwing. But again, Jared Goff just finds his receivers a lot better at home. He's got McVay in the headset, a much more easier to read. He finds his targets much better. He goes through his progressions much easier at home. Uh, again, this number for me feels like a number that I typically would see if he was on the road or something similar on the road. I feel like I'm getting about 10 or 15 yards in favor here. So give me over Jared Goff passing yards 276 and a half. Yeah, I like it. Um, they have not looked great on offense and Goff hasn't looked good. But as you pointed out, he's much worse on the road at Carolina, at Cleveland. He didn't look particularly good. He wasn't great at home against the Saints, but that's a pretty tough defense going in Tampa Bay, as they showed you. I mean, I got a little excited about Tampa Bay's defense um, when I looked at them against the Panthers uh, because Todd Bowles looked to be doing some work. They've got a few playmakers there, but last week against you know Daniel Jones, they were just totally exposed. So I do think that this is kind of a quote-unquote get-right game for the Rams offense, and I think most of it is going to start with Jared Goff. So I do like that pick a lot. For me, I'm going to go with Marlon Mack getting at least 100 yards rushing at plus 171. Now this comes down to a few factors. We talked about the fact that T.Y. Hilton may miss this game. At the very least, he's probably going to be limited even if he does play. So the pass catching options are few. The Colts have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Mack ran for 132 yards against Oakland last year when they played. And the Raiders, as I mentioned earlier, are pretty banged up at linebacker. So I see the Colts looking to exploit them that way. I think this is a game that the Colts try to control from start to finish. And I think they're going to lean on the run. So I think that's going to mean upwards of 20 carries for Mac, maybe closer to 25, depending on how this game unfolds. And I see him getting to roughly, uh, you know, a little bit over 100. I wouldn't go up to 125. That's that's way too much for me. But at plus 171, I'm willing to take it at those odds. I love the rocks for uh, for that play from you. I mean, that's, uh, you know, uh, pretty ballsy. And I say ballsy because pr- projecting runner uh, running backs to, to go over 100 yards is always always an interesting one or an interesting enigma for that matter, regardless of who they're playing. But you bring up so many good points on the matchup and the opportunity there, especially at the dog price for an awesome, awesome payout uh, if it hits. And you're right, if the volume's there, the yardage is more than likely going to be there with it. That's really what it comes down to in the end. I mean, at plus 171, it's something where, again, with the with the injuries that they have, Hilton, I honestly, I think they rest Hilton here. And I think they, they get him ready for a big game at Kansas City the following week. But either way, I think realistically, they think they're going to be able to win this game. And again, there are a lot of injuries there with the linebackers for Oakland. So I do see them leaning there on the run game. So you're going to take Jared Goff over, I believe it was 276 and a half yards passing. And I will go with Marlon Mack with over 100 rushing yards. Well, that's going to do it for today's show, JJ. Thanks a lot for joining me. Remind everyone where they can find more of you and your work. Thanks so much, Dan. You guys can find me over on Twitter at Sports with Facts. You can also find me on YouTube. Just go ahead and type SharpSide or Sports with Facts. I do all my videos for them on SharpSide. I do about four to five videos a week, so you can see plenty of my face there. Or again, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well. I give away a ton of free plays every week. So give me a follow at Sports with Facts on Twitter and check me out on YouTube. Awesome, JJ. I really appreciate you coming on. I hope we can do it again. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. I want to remind everyone about BetMGM, where you can place your first wager of up to $500 risk-free. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com to be entered into our Alvin Kamara signed helmet giveaway. Good luck with your wagers this weekend, my friends. We'll be back breaking down the early lines next week.